بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا سیونٹینتھ آف سپٹمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن ٹو دا سکسٹ So I've reached verse 23. So inshallah today, going through up to and including verse 25. So verse 23. We sent Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam to his people. He said, O oh my people, worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have no other God but him. Will you not fear him? So again, note the beauty of the Quran in the previous verse verse 22 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions on them as well as in ships you write and after mentioning ships which prophet does he now mention Nuh so obviously the ark is famous he was the first to build a ship so with regards to Nuh wasalam, a few things to mention to the first In Hakim al-Is Mustadrak, number 3654, Sayyih, Zahabi, Sayyih, Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahumma, he said, Between Nuh, alayhi salatu wasalam, and Adam, alayhi salatu wasalam, were ten generations, all of which followed, I, the law, I, Islam. But they then differed amongst themselves. So Allah the Almighty sent prophets والسلام, as bearers of glad tidings and warners of punishment. So in this Sayyid Hadith, a time frame is given. The great Ibn Abbas said between Adam والسلام, and Nuh والسلام, there were ten Urun, either generations or centuries. And they all followed Islam. Meaning, there were no unbelievers for 10 generations or thereabouts. But then they differed, meaning, then unbelief entered. Then Allah the Almighty sent, i.e. prophets and messengers. In another report it mentions, in Tabarani, Ibn Hibban, number 6190, Sahih. Uh, Hafiz Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah, he states Sahih to the criteria of Muslim. And Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih in As-Sahihah number 2668. Our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Between Adam alayhi salatu wa sallam and Nuh alayhi salatu wa sallam were ten Qurun. And the messengers were 315 in number. So here in the Sahih hadith, another thing is mentioned. How many messengers there were? There were 315. So one authentic report in Ahmad mentions that Allah the Almighty sent 124,000 prophets. So the numbers of the messengers are very small compared to the prophets, 315. And of course, the first was Nuh, the first messenger, alayhi salatu In Ibn Asakr, Daylami, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jami number 2585 and As-Sahihah number 1289. Anas radiyallahu He relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam The first prophet who was sent was Nuh 
the first prophet والسلام, who was sent was Nuh so this is in reference to the fact he was the first messenger the prophets before they were sent to Muslims because nobody was committing shirk so the very first prophet who was sent to the unbelievers was Nuh so this shows what an excellent job Adam did that 10 of his generations didn't commit shirk and why is that important to highlight because the first murder was done not by a kafir by a Muslim when you hear their two sons one killed the other so some people get emotional they start cursing and the response is he's a Muslim he wasn't a kafir he committed a great crime but according to the authentic reports there was no shirk it entered in the time of Nuh so another thing mentioned so Hafiz Ibn Kathir in Al-Bidayah he mentions that Ibn Jarif he mentions in his tarikh that Nuh was born 126 years after the death of Adam so this is one view so after Adam after living a thousand years alayhi salatu wasalam 126 years after that, Nuh was born. This is one view. Uh, then Ibn Kathir said, according to the people of the book, the period between the birth of Nuh and the death of Adam was 146 years. So these are some of the reports. But these are not correct. Why? Because Ibn Kathir said, the age between the two holy prophets was 10 generations so how can that be 126 years <laughs> you understand <laughs> so ibn kathir he then explained rahmatullahi if what is meant by qarn is a hundred years as appears to be the case for many people then between the prophets was a period of a thousand years without doubt so the prophet said 10 qurun between the two prophets so if Qarr means a hundred years, that means that the Prophet is saying a thousand years, ten times a hundred. But Ibn Kathir then said, however, if the meaning of Qarr is generation of mankind, and then he quotes verses, I'll just give you the reference. Surah 17 verse 17, Allah Ta'ala mentions Qurun. Surah 24, sorry, Surah 23 verse 42, Allah Ta'ala mentions Qurun. Surah 25 verse 38, he mentions Qarn, uh, and in Surah 19 verse 74, he mentions Qarn, and each time there, Allah is talking about generation, he's not talking a hundred years. Ibn Kathir says, so Qarn could mean, or Qurun could mean a generation. Rasulullah, then he quotes a hadith, in Sayyid Bukhari, number 6429, Sayyid Muslim, number 2533, Tirmidhi, number 3859, Ibn Imaj, number 2362, Ahmad, number 3583. Our beloved messenger said, the best of generations is my generation. So, was the Prophet talking about 100 years? No, he was talking about a generation, a people. So then Ibn Kratid said, the generations before Nuh lived long lives, multiple centuries. Based on this, the time between Adam and Nuh would now be thousands of years. Have you understood? So if the Prophet said 10 Qurun between the two Prophets, how what was the average age of a person? You're talking 500 years. 
So the generation isn't like mine and your generation, 60, 70 years. It's about 500 years. So educated guess. If that is the meaning, then you're talking 5,000 years between Adam and Nuh. Have you understood? So there's the only difference. There was definitely 10 Urun between the two prophets. If you say 100 years, that's 1,000 years now. But if you say generation, then Allah Ta'ala knows best. But if you take an average of 500 years lifespan, then it's 5,000 years. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. So this is important to highlight. Also about Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam. His name. Sheikh Nasafi rahmatullah He says, Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam in Syriac means al-saqin, the cool one. Or al-saqin, the cool one. So according to one of the great commentators of the Quran, Hafiz Nasafi rahmatullah his name means the one who's cool, you know, patient. And of course, the Quran says he preached for 950 years. You have to be patient. So his name actually means he was created like this. Ibn Kathir said, Rahmatullah Yazid al-Riqashi, Rahmatullah says, he was named Nuh, because he used to cry a lot over his condition. The word Nuha means to cry upon the death of someone. So according to the great Ibn Kathir, he quotes a reference. He was called Nuh because he cried over his own condition, not the people, his own condition. So why was he crying over his own condition? Because the prophets are the most humble. And the word in Arabic, Nuha, what does that sound like? Nuh, come on, wake up, right? The word Nuha means to cry upon the death of someone. That's what it means. So why is Nuh he's crying upon himself? So Allah Ta'ala has named him that. Meaning is a perfect name for this great and illustrious man. What about his parents? Imam Khazid in his tafsir, Rahmatullah he mentions his father's name was Lamak ibn Matushlaq. And his mother's name was Shamka bint Anush. They were both believers. So his parents... The literal that we know, Imam Khazin said, he mentions their names. His name was Lamak Iman Matushlak. And his mother's name was Shamka bint Anush. They were both believers. Why? Because the prophets, obviously, come from the most purest minds. So this is mentioned by Imam Khazin. And also, there's another point here. In the Quran, in Surah Isra, Surah 17, verse 3. In Surah 17, verse 3, Allah the Almighty and Glorious, He gives an immense title to Nuh He calls him Abdan Shakura. He was a most grateful servant. Shukr means grateful. Shakura means intensely grateful. So Allah Ta'ala doesn't just call him a grateful servant, like the translators give it. He goes, he was an immensely grateful servant. Abdan Shakura. So what does that mean? Allah the last called him that. So from the hadith, we get a few details. In Sayyid Bukhari, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they will come to Nuh on the day of judgment, alayhi salatu wasalam, and they will say, O oh Nuh, alayhi salatu wasalam, you were the first of the Rasuls sent to the people. And Allah Ta'ala called you Abdan Shakura. Intercede for us with your Lord. <laughs> so what will the people say? <laughs> They'll remember this. They'll be trying to get the prophets to intercede. 
And what is the one thing they will say to, two things, sorry, they will say to Nuh salatu wasalam, you were the first messenger. And then this verse, you are the most grateful servant, intercede. Does he intercede? No. He goes, I made a dua to destroy my people. He goes, go, and he mentions Ibrahim salatu wasalam. So note this is the first thing. It's, it's remembered on the day of resurrection. In terms of another report, in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Abu Ya'la al-Haytami in Majma' al-Zawaid al-Bidaya, our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa he asked Abu Bakr radiyallahu what valley is this, O Abu Bakr radiyallahu Abu Bakr radiyallahu said, it is the valley of Asafan. Rasulullah thereupon said sallallahu alayhi wa Nuh alayhi salatu wa Ibrahim alayhi salatu wa salam and Hud alayhi salatu wa salam they came by this valley for the Hajj to the ancient house they rode on young camels and put on long striped black and white gowns so look how amazing the Prophet is going through a valley why does he ask Abu Bakr Abu Bakr was a well traversed man he's a businessman because this is the valley of Asafani, Rasulullah. And what did the Prophet say? This valley, three prophets were coming to do Hajj. And they were wearing, the ihram was interesting. The ihram was black and white, which is interesting. They were on camels, and who did he mention? Nuh, Ibrahim, and Hud. So that valley is actually a traverse where people who are very strict upon the Sunnah, they travel that way for the Hajj to get the full blessings. The Prophet actually saw them. Some scholars say Allah Ta'ala showed him the history. <coughs> he went back in time to show him. Others say he was informed by Allah Subhanahu Wa Whatever the case, is valid. So what do we learn about Nuh? He did Hajj. Think about it. When you go through his whole narrative in the Quran, do you smell Hajj? You get this impression that he's just in a locality and he's just trying to convince his people. Right? And you think, what about Hajj? This was their Hajj. <laughs> Another report. In Ibn Majah Tabarani Behaki, Tarheem number 794, the Prophet said, Nuh fasted all his life, except on the day of Fitr and Adha. So he fasted 353 days a year. He didn't fast on the two Eid. So when you say, when Allah was Abdul Shakura, he doesn't give you details. He just says he was intensely grateful. Intensely, right? So he fasted all his life except the two days of Eid. Question, does that mean they had done two days of Eid? I don't know. But he didn't fast on those days. Maybe Allah was protecting the Prophet from those days which were later to become Eid for us. Also, how do we know he had a great love for the Holy House? In Tabari, in his tarikh, it mentions several Tabi'een, not one, several, Rahimahumullah, they said, Nuh was buried in Masjid al-Haram. Nuh was buried in Masjid al-Haram, around the Kaaba. <laughs> so, think about that. You know, do you even think that when you go to do Tawaf and he's buried around the Kaaba? Imam Abu Hanifa mentions a report, 300, over 300 prophets are buried around the Kaaba. Nuh is one of them, one of the five mighty ones. So think about that. Why did he not... What do we know? The Prophet said that a Prophet dies where he loves to be buried. They don't just die like me and you. They die where they love to be buried. So where did he die? Around the Kaaba. So what was he doing there? 
you take a brain surgeon to work out he's doing hajj umrah tawaf he want to eat and so he so, so look at his incredible life over 950 years he preached to his people where did he end his life <laughs> around the kaab so no this is from several of the tabi'in and also there's another point which is mentioned so this report So this is recorded in Ahmad. So, sorry, Mufti Shafi, Rahmatullah, he mentions that when the flood occurred, the ark traversed from the first day, which was uh, Rajab, and it landed on the day of Ashura, on Mount Judi. And during that, it did seven circuits of the Kaaba. <coughs> so, if somebody says to you, uh, have you done Tawaf? Alhamdulillah. Have you done Tawaf swimming? So, some people have because the Kaaba was flooded. Have you done, Kaaba, have you done Tawaf on a ship? Talking about brother. Nuh alayhi salatu wa did Tawaf on a ship. And that also shows that the ark was very, you know, it wasn't just like floating. He had oars and he, he stayed around the holy Kaaba. Even in that state, he was thinking of, you know, Tawaf, Abdul Shakura. In terms of his living, in Behaki in his Shu'ab al Iman, number 10266, Ibn Asakir in his Tariq, the 62-28, the companion, uh, some of the Salaf said, Nuh he took a hut as his house. It was said to him, Why do you not build a special dwelling? He said, this is a lot for someone who will die. So his hut, he basically, one report says, your hand could touch the ceiling. And when you stretched, your feet would barely be able to reach the sides. Mm-hmm. We don't forget the height was of an immense stature at that time as well. So in accordance with his stature, it was that. that. So somebody said, Ya Rasulullah, why don't you build a nice dwelling for yourself? What did he say? He goes, this is a lot. He goes, I've done too much. <laughs> This is a lot for someone who will die. Because if I'm not going to die, then obviously I'm going to make a nice place because I'm, not, I'm just traveling. If you travel, you don't start building palaces. Imagine you go and, you know, stuff for the Lord, I keep mentioning this. If you're driving on the motorway, you see those little bridges and you see a person building a house on that bridge. When you start laughing. Why? Because you're thinking, what the heck is this guy doing? It's a bridge to cross from A to B. He's building a bloody house on it. You laugh at yourself. In Tabarani, in his Kabir, 10-151, the Prophet said, whoever builds above what is necessary for him will then be forced to carry it on the Day of Judgment. Whoever builds above what is necessary for him will then be forced to carry it on the Day of Meaning. It says, is, this is a, um, it's common now. So common things aren't mentioned. Scholars don't mention it. Because they think a lot of people are weak. He's not mentioning certain reports. They'll, you know, they'll you'll finish them. But I've mentioned it. So Nuh is Abdul Shakura. So now going back to this. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? We send Nuh to his people. He said, All my people worship Allah. You have no other God but Him. Will you not fear? Verse 24. The chiefs of the unbelievers amongst his people said, He is no more than a man like yourselves. 
His wish is to assert his superiority over you. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had wished, he could have sent down angels. Never did we hear such a thing amongst our ancestors of old. So this is a very interesting verse. So first of all, there was chiefs. So this was a tribal system. The chiefs. And notice, it's always the chiefs. <laughs> you know, it's the Prophet has the same problem. Chiefs. And what were they saying? What's the first thing they said? Allah course is quite frequent. He is no more than a man like yourselves. So why does Allah mention that? Every verse of the Quran has significance. And the response is, the believer should never ever make that statement. So first of all, just to mention it briefly, Hafiz Yusuf Binuri, in his work, Ma'arif As-Sunnah, he mentioned, there is a consensus in all the four schools to the purity of Rasulullah's waste matter. So the Prophet's urine is pure. His call of nature is pure. His blood is pure. Half his Yusuf Baloud, he said, all the schools have agreed to this. All of them. Why have I mentioned that? Is that like me and you? The noble companions would convey all of these realities to their young children. What was the impact? Abu Rimtha's son, he said, I trembled upon seeing Rasulullah for the first time. I started shaking. I used to think that Rasulullah was a being that did not resemble mankind. I used to think that Rasulullah was a being that did not resemble mankind. This is in Nasai number 1573, Sahih Abu Dawood number 4065, Tirmidhi number 2812, Al-Bidayah. So what were the companions teaching their children? If your child is thinking Rasulullah is not a human being, what would we say to the father? We say, you've gone too far. You, you, you stuck for the life. What are you teaching? But the Sahaba taught, he did not resemble mankind. So what was the father teaching? The clues there. They were teaching him the khasais, the special qualities of the prophets. It is very informative to note that the Almighty and Glorious often quotes the unbelievers saying to their prophets. What did they say? I'll quote one. Surah 11 verse 27. We see in you nothing but a man like ourselves. What did Nuh Salam's chief say about it? Look what they said. He is no more than a man like yourselves. So what error have they made? They don't understand the status of a prophet. They think there's nothing special about them. Also the accursed shaitan only looked at the human form of Adam. Alayhi salatu wasalam. Referred to Surah 7 verse 12, Surah 15 verse 33, Surah 17 verse 61. Famously, he just looked at the human form. What's the lesson? The true believers must differentiate between the human form and the essence of the prophets and messengers. For otherwise, what is the difference between ourselves, shaitan and the unbelievers? So somebody goes to you, Rasulullah is just a man. You say to them, 
That was Shaitan's belief. That was the Kufar belief. Is that your belief? Straight away, step back. Oh, brother, what are you saying? I didn't say that. You might as well have said that. What mistake have they made? They're not differentiating between the human form and the essence. Allah Ta'ala is hammering this point again and again in the Quran. The Kuffar said this, starting with Nuh. They were the first Kuffar. And what did they say? He's just a man. What are you following him for? So this is why. So note again, I wanted to mention that here because he mentions it. Then look how interesting, what does it say? Verse 25. He is only a man possessed. Wait and have patience with him for a time. So now to understand this, you've got to turn to another verse. Surah 11 verse 27. So Surah 11 verse 27, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions there. The translation. The chiefs of the unbelievers amongst his people said, We see in you nothing but a man like ourselves. Nor do we see that any follow you but the meanest amongst us, without thinking, nor do we see in you any merit above us. In fact, we think you are liars. Allah Ta'ala gives the full quote of the kuffar. What's the first thing they said? You're just a man. They said it face to face to him. Do you endorse that? If you endorse that, you've endorsed the kuffar. Secondly, we don't see any who follow you, but the meanest among, the lower ones amongst us. And they didn't even think. Second. Third. Nor do we see in you any merit above us. In fact, we think you are liars. So now, the unbelievers were impelled by three powerful human motives of evil to resist grace. This is why people don't become Muslim. There's three very powerful motives of the nafs that will resist it. The first is jealousy. Jealousy of other men. Where's the proof? They said, you're not better than ourselves. Right? So, who, which people have that now? Bani Israel. We're the chosen ones. Have you ever seen them invite to their religion? Is you want to study, you do it. You want to embrace, you embrace. Not interested. We're the chosen ones. Second, nafs failing. The contempt of the weak and the lowly. They look down on the weak and the lowly. Who are often better intellectually, morally and spiritually. They said we cannot believe or do what these fellows, our inferiors in social rank, believe or do. What did they say? The lowest amongst is follow you. They did it without thinking. Ibn Kathir said something very interesting here. Ibn Kathir said, this is a praise of them. Normally when you don't think, it's not a praise. But when it comes to a prophet and you follow him without thinking, that's praise. Right? So Ibn Kathir said, they actually don't even, they weren't even thinking. Rasulullah came, what did he say about Abu Bakr? All of you, you know, hesitated except Abu Bakr. He goes, he instantly followed. He praised him. Why? Because that's a matter of praise. So the second is they look down. And even today, what do non-Muslims with pride have? Islam is a beautiful religion. But I can't become Muslim. Why? And they start looking down on the Muslims. Thirdly, 
arrogance and self-sufficiency. They said, we are really better than the lot of you. The claim made on behalf of the message of Allah attacked all these three attitudes. So Allah Ta'ala is exposing all of these traits. Why? Not just as a historical narrative to explain why people do not embrace Islam. If you look at Rasulullah who were the first to embrace Islam? Apart from a few honorable exceptions, it was the poor. The chiefs were the last to embrace Islam. Why is that? Because they have a problem. They have a chip on their shoulder. Even though they knew he was Rasulullah So what does Allah mention about the people of Nuh in verse 25? He is only a man possessed. Wait and have patience with him for that time. So look at the inconsistency of their claims. Because he's a liar. If he's a liar, then why are you saying he's possessed? If a person is possessed, you don't say he's a liar. He's possessed. So you can see the inconsistency. They're trying to find something on the Holy Prophet. And what can you find on an unblemished TV? You can't find anything. So note again here, Allah is highlighting some of the narrative of the Holy Prophet, Nuh alayhi salatu wasalam. So I'll decide the verses. And we will conclude. ولقدأرسلنانوحنإلىقومهفقالياقومعبدوللهمالكمنإلههنغيرأفلاتتقونفقالالملأ يريد أن يتفضل عليكم ولو شاء الله لأنزل ملائكة ما سمعنا بهذا في آبائنا الأولين إن هو إلا رجل به جنة فتربصوا به حتى حين We pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He makes the Quran the Rabi of our hearts and I pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He forgives me for any edits which I may have inadvertently uttered. So, Allahumma bihamdika ashtulai lahi illa anta astaghfirika atubu alayka wa tibullahi wa shalakim. Subhanallah bika rabbil izzati amma yisifun. As-salamu alayhi wa sallim. Alhamdulillah ibn al-admin. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wal-asr. In the sun, al-fi khusl. Al-ladhina aminu wa amilu as-salihan. Al-wasbi al-haq. Al-wasbi al-sabr. Al-wasbi al-sabr. Al-wasbi al-sabr. Al-wasbi al